If you could turn your Bible to Philippians um, chapter 1. Verses 27 through 30. Philippians 1, beginning in verse 27 through verse 30. If you're there, will you all stand as we receive the word? Philippians 1, beginning in verse 27. Here is the word of God. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Amen. Father, we come before you before your word, and we ask that you would first open our hearts and our, our eyes and our ears of our hearts. And if there is something that is burdening us and, and, and hindering us from coming to you with our open mind, with open heart to hear you, will you help us to lay aside all these things? concerns and burden, and most importantly, if our hearts are not right with you, Lord, by the help of the Spirit, by the blood of Jesus Christ, will you cleanse us to be in your grace, to experience your mercy, to hear your will. So, Father, be here as you promised. Speak to your people, move their hearts, Lord, and this is your time. This is for you to be glorified as we offer our hearts to you. Lord, will you declare your truth to us, the message you have prepared. Be with your servant. May he be faithful to you for the message that you prepare in his heart, as well as your people to receive it and receive it well and may produce fruits of righteousness, fruits of grace and mercy, the gospel to spread in their lives for your glory. We pray for these things. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning we're going to conclude the chapter one. Um, it took us a few times to get through the chapter one, but we're taking it very slow uh, in this book. Um, I was reminded again, um, how precious this book was uh, to me when I was in seminary. Uh, the fifth semester in seminary class, I had to go through Greek training. So first two semester, first year is just strictly um, grammar. And the whole time, not only you're learning grammar, you have to learn how to read, how to, uh, uh, and a lot of vocabularies to memorize but you learn to translate. And the second year, 
The third and fourth is called syntax, which means you not only have to translate word for word, but also within the context. And the last semester, the fifth semester, was the actual practice. And the professor I had picked a book, which happens to be Philippians. And we had to do every verse, translating, understanding um, the ins and outs of this passage. And I had to read a whole entire commentary along with it. Um, that was the first time, I think, the only time in my life that I read the commentary cover to cover. Um, it wasn't fun. Sometimes it's exciting, sometimes, most of the times, I tell you, be honest, it was dry because it's commentary. Uh, it's academically driven, very few application. But it truly uh, was a really memorable class, I still remember. Now, the first chapter... Um, was all about setting up the table for what's going to happen from this passage and on. And if you wonder up to this point, uh, if we just have a quick review up to this point, Paul was simply informing the readers, the Philippians, the concerned people in Philippi, the church, about his current predicament, how he is, uh, what is going on, what is his condition. And he was trying to let them know that he is doing well, but he was also sharing them uh, with them, how he misses them, how he yearns for them, and how he prays for all of them, uh, not just once in a while, but every day, and how he rejoices in all circumstances, even though he was in chains, even though he doesn't understand what is going to happen, whether he's going to live or die. He said he rejoices and repeated that in the first section, I mean, up to this point. And the reason for his joy, the reason with the circumstances, uh, with unknown possibility, yet he still rejoices because, as we shared last Sunday, for Paul to live is what? To live is Christ and to die is gain. Therefore, he rejoices. He rejoices because living is an opportunity to live for God, live for Christ, his Lord, serve him and preach his gospel. But even if he dies with this uncertainty, if he dies, death really is a better opportunity, a chance for Paul to be with his Lord, not only for a short temporal time, but for all eternity, forever. So that is why he would describe death as something that is very much better. It's not even up for discussion. It's so much better because I'll be with the Lord. So he rejoices regardless. If I live, I get to serve the Lord whom I love. Or if I die, I will be in his presence. So Philippians, don't worry about me. Don't be concerned about me. And then here, at this point in verse 27, he moves on from turning his attention about himself and moving their attention to themselves. And he's uh, giving them the instruction they need, especially about the Christian living. By the way, if you don't have the bulletin with you, we got extra few uh, uh, copies over there that will help you to um, just move along with the sermon passage um, with the manuscript I have, and that will be the outline there. 
Now, um, here's a well-known, to me, I think it is well-known, movie quote. With great power comes great responsibility. If you don't know this, I don't know. You've been hiding under the rock somewhere. And I know a few of you don't have any clue what I'm talking about, and which is surprising to me. With great power comes great responsibility. Where's that from? Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Sungja, you are so sure, but that's not it. <laughs> it's, it's Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben speaking to Peter Parker. So that is the famous line from Spider-Man. There you go. With great power comes great responsibility. Now, that is from Spider-Man. What, what does that mean? With great power, there must also come great responsibility. It's like, if you have this power, you have this ability to do something. You have received this great uh, uh, privilege. Then it is your duty, it's your responsibility to live up to that power, utilize that ability, utilize that, use that privilege that you receive so freely and it is your duty now in a similar way that is the mentality that paul has in mind uh, not only in this three verses but moving forward similar way we christians are to live up to the power that we have received the privilege that we have received and enjoyed so far in jesus christ we have to live in a way that is worthy worthy of our spiritual possessions and blessings again we have received and enjoyed then and now and and forevermore certainly this spiritual blessings, the grace, the possessions that we received from Jesus Christ is not through the way of our own work. It's not by any virtue of our own. We can only have that. We can only have this power, this privilege, this blessing in and through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. But if we have it, if you have this power in Jesus Christ, if you have this privilege in Jesus Christ, if you really have that, then we have to understand it comes with a responsibility. We must live worthy of that calling, worthy of that privilege, being his children, receiving this blessings, timely manner, Guiding us and leading us. Great privilege, great power comes with great responsibility. Old things, our old habits, old way of life must be put away. And all things are to be new for the glory of the one who took our place, who died in our place. This is the point Paul is trying to make in this section here. So the first thing is first, are you, folks, church, are you in Jesus Christ? Are you in Jesus Christ? Do you identify yourself to be united in Jesus Christ? If that is who you are, 
then do you know the power? Do you know the privilege that you have received and enjoyed in Jesus Christ? Do you understand the privilege? Do you understand the spiritual, physical blessings that you received and continue to, you will receive in Jesus? Do you understand that? Then you must also understand and know that it comes with obligation. We have to know our responsibilities. The question is, are we fulfilling, are you fulfilling your duty as Christ follower? How is your conduct as Christians, as Christians, as you live your life? I had a discussion with a a pastor friend of mine, and he was, I mean, we happened to talk about this first, and then he goes, what, it, what happens to third party, someone outside of our lives, someone who has no knowledge, no relationship with you, takes a look at your life, just pure, unbiased, third party perspective, and looking at your life? Your conduct, will your conduct be in line? being worthy of the gospel that you receive? That is a question. How is our conduct as we live our lives as Christians? Because we, if we have been called by Christ, what Paul is saying is exactly this in verse 27, we must be worthy of that calling. Got to be worthy of that calling. Look at verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live your life in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ that saved you, that gave you this new life. Now, if you take a look here, what's interesting here about this verse 27 is the translation we have in ESV. If you look at that first portion of 27, let your manner of life be worthy, uh, worthy up to that point. That's those seven words. Let your manner of life be worthy. That seven words, it's actually the translation of one single Greek word. One word was translated into ESV, seven words. If you look at NASB or uh, uh, NIV, they do one better, six words, to translate one Greek word. And that Greek word is polythema. And this word is based on the, on the noun police, which we know what that means, police. What does that mean? Not the, the other police, but Minneapolis. What's police? City, right? City. It's the noun form of this word, which is verb here, is city. So for the Greek at this time, this classical period, um, for these people, the police, the city, was the largest unit of society. Our largest unit of society is a country, is a nation. But for these people, a city-state is the largest unit. So if you belong 
to this large unit. And if you understand this noun, police, uh, uh, police, I think it sounds, but noun refers to this citizenship, body of citizens. And if it is a bird form, it means to let your manner of life be worthy as citizens of this great city, this city. Live your life. Conduct yourselves. Carry yourselves as a worthy citizens of this city. It's a loaded, loaded word. There's no English word, a single word to describe that. And that's why we have seven words here. A word like this, we are having uh, somewhat difficult time understanding what that means. And that, that was one of the difficult words in my Greek class. But here's the thing. For these people, for the Philippians, this word wasn't really hard. This is not a hard word for them to understand. And if it was, then Paul would not have used it. But for us to understand this word properly and this, this command that Paul lays out for the Philippians and for our own benefit, we need to understand the context. We got to understand more about the city, the city of Philippi, the culture they have, the mindset of the city people, the citizens of this uh, uh, city. The city of Philippi was far from Roman, but however, it is a Roman colony. They were about 800 miles away from Rome, yet these people living in Philippi lived with great pride. Pride with, about their Roman citizenship. Although they are far away, they lived in accordance with Roman customs, Roman traditions, Roman holidays. They obeyed Roman laws, and they were fiercely loyal to the Caesar. The people in Philippi were just proud of their citizenship, that they belong to this great empire and the privileges, privileges that came with it. They're proud. And these Roman citizens in Philippi lived just very distinctively different from the barbarians living around them. They were just distinctively different, noticeably different. You can tell non-citizens to the citizens. It is so obvious. And they were carrying that pride and mentality, carry themselves like a citizen because they know with this pride they belong to the greatest empire ever known to mankind at this point. They have that pride. They carry themselves like Roman citizens. Now, with that in mind, Paul is speaking to the Christians in Philippi, and he used that particular word. In verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, only polythema of the gospel, Jesus Christ. Polythema of the kingdom of God. NASB, the literal translation, will also translate it in this way. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. What is Paul trying to say? Paul is saying to the Christians, 
Christians, no matter where you are, where you live geographically, we must view ourselves not only as citizens of this great kingdom, this earthly kingdom, this empire, but as citizens of heavenly kingdom. You have to understand who you are. And that means we should live differently than those who belong to this earthly kingdom, those who live around us who are just simply citizens of this earthly kingdom because we are citizens of Christ's kingdom. Paul's message is simple. Therefore, your conduct, your life must be worthy of the citizenship we have received in Jesus Christ through the gospel. That means we seek to please our heavenly emperor, not the Caesar sitting in Rome. You live your life to please your heavenly emperor, God in heaven. And you live by his rule, by his law, as it is revealed by, uh, in his word. And we seek to conform our character, our mindset, our attitude to live by his laws. And to that is our king, the Lord Jesus. And the second chapter next week will be about conforming to his character. Though we are citizens of this world, just like Philippians, we must also be distinctively different. As we live our lives, not as citizens of this great nation, United States of America, but we have to live our lives understanding primarily the most important legions, loyalty lies with the kingdom of God. We're citizens of God's kingdom, Christ's nation. Conduct yourselves. Carry yourselves with the understanding that comes, the responsibility that comes with your citizenship, whom you belong to, which kingdom that you live for. That is a message for the church. Only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Be worthy of this citizenship, this privilege, this power that you have. It is, you know, it's just like if you go to any uh, part of the world and if you have that U.S. passport, that eagle on the passport, that means a lot. I've been to Russia. That means a lot. If you go to Korea, that means a lot. But can you imagine that if we live our lives without understanding the passport, the, the, the citizenship that we possess, belonging to this great God's kingdom. And if you fully understand what that means, that comes for other earthly citizenships, how will you carry yourself? How will you conduct your life? That is what Paul is appealing to. Now, church, if you didn't know, this church, church in Philippi, was one of the most mature churches, one of the most uh, um, well-behaved, well-constructed, great example of church in the New Testament. But notice, what is the first instruction? This is the first teaching moment. What is the message that Paul is giving to this exemplary church? Verse 27. Hey, folks, my friends, whatever happens, 
whatever goes on in your life, whatever happenings and surroundings that you find yourselves, only conduct yourselves to these mature, well-behaved, and, and, and great Christians. He goes, conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ, your Lord, by which you are saved. Why is it so important, even to these so-called good Christians? The first instruction, first message. Why is this so important? It's important because as you live in this world, it's so easy for us not only just to be in the world, but also be or, or becoming of the world, becoming like the world we live in. It's so easy for us to get caught up in this world and, and forget where we belong to, which citizenship is more valuable, greater than this earthly one. It's so easy for us to focus and live just primarily for this citizenship, like citizens of this earthly kingdom. Not as the Christ kingdom, citizens of the people of Christ's kingdom. So first opportunity he has, he speaks to the Philippians and he goes, Dear my my friends, dear Philippians, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. This is a message. Paul has for the Philippians, but this is also the message that we all need to hear as well. This is something that we need to keep in mind, not only once in a while, but every day of our life. I must be worthy of the gospel of my Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. I must be worthy of his life. I must be worthy of his death. I must be worthy of his amazing love we sang. My chains are gone. I've been set free. I live for my glory. He has done that for me without no strings attached. This love is so amazing, so divine. We sing together. It demands my soul, demands my life. It demands my all. Rightly so, because it's so amazing. But am I worthy? Worthy of Jesus. What he has freely offered to me. Am I worthy of this new life that I have received and enjoyed? Am I worthy? I'm a child of God. Am I worthy? This is a message. The message we need to understand. And we need to carry with ourselves. Every day, I must be worthy of Jesus. Then the question is, how? How do we do that? How do we carry ourselves in a manner that is worthy of our calling, worthy of our salvation, worthy to be his children, worthy to be his citizens? All the blessings, all the prayers answered, all these things that we seek from God, Am I worthy to ask and receive? Am I worthy? How can we be worthy of this? 
From our text, in short three verses, I'm going to share with you three essentials. Essentials that we need to be mindful of. The first thing here is this. We got to be consistent. We got to be consistent. What you need is, what I need is consistency. Consistency in our walk with the Lord. In other words, we must maintain our consistent spiritual commitment. We talked about F260. You know, committing yourself to a Bible reading plan, that shows humility. That shows your desire to, to spiritually mature and grow. That's commitment. And that comes with consistency. If you're trying to work out and notice someone just getting fit and fit each week, I won't, I won't say the name. But that requires consistency. If you work out once a while, two weeks in and two weeks out, there, there is nothing you're going to see. You need consistency. We got to maintain this spiritual consistency. That means we have to behave in a way that is consistent in the power of God, the gospel that saved us. We got to be consistent with that. That means we have to, uh, must display our consistent spiritual integrity. You maintain your integrity as a Christian, whether you have eyes watching you or whether you are by yourself in private. That means you have to carry yourself in a way that is consistent. Whether you are at church with other Christians, whether you are at work, at school with non-Christians, you got to be consistent in behaving like citizens of Christ's kingdom. Consistency. And you got to ask yourself, am I conducting my life in a, in, a, in, a, in a manner that is worthy of the gospel? That's a good question for you and I to ask every day. Be mindful of, am I carrying myself as a child of God, as a citizen of this great kingdom? Because we all know enough about what we need to be, what we need to do, how we need to carry ourselves, how we must behave as Christians. We already know enough, enough about how we can be spiritually fit, what we need, what kind of regimen I need to employ in my life so that I can spiritually grow. We know enough about those, don't we? And we also talk about enough of times our desire to grow and mature. We talk about that. I know I should. I know I can be better. But what we really need is consistent commitment. Enough with talk. We got to walk the talk. You have a desire. You know what is right. And you know, even know how to get there. What are we doing? What we are lacking is consistency. That consistent commitment. 
If you believe in something, if you know what is to be true, then you got to be consistently behaving yourselves based on your belief, what you know to be true. Consistency is the key for any growth, but especially a godly life. Without that, it's impossible. And I tell you what, that consistency is also the greatest weapon against your enemy who is just looking for every possible chance to bring you down. That consistency is the shield, the defense that you need. Be consistent. That is a way that we could be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Second essential. In order for us to live worthy of the gospel of Christ, we must work together. Got to work together. Cooperation. We need cooperation. Think about it. In order for us to behave like citizens of the great kingdom, we need each other. We need each other to achieve our common goal. That is why in second half of verse 27, Paul says he's addressing the church. He says, church must stand firm in one spirit with one mind, strive together side by side for the faith of the gospel. Again, this word, striving together, you see, that two words is actually a single word. And in, in that word is actually the, uh, where we got this English word, athletics, striving together. That Greek word is where we got athletics. Paul purposely used that to describe a local church of saints because a church really is like a team of athletes, a team, not an individual sport, team sports. In order for us, for a team to be successful, and that is winning uh, all the time, win victories, no matter how talented individual members may be, they must work together as a unit. I mean, I don't care whether you are a football team, basketball team, baseball team. One through nine, one through five, 40 some odd people, offense, defense, special team, working as a unit is critical, crucial for a team's success. And for Paul, just like a sports team, church must work together as well. Because we're built that way. The members of a local church must strive together and faithfully carry out their own individual uh, role and their own at their own uh, place for one single purpose, one single goal, and that is Christ. That's our goal. He's the head. And for his gospel to spread, that's our purpose. And we must practice Christian teamwork, cooperation. We pray for unity. We pray for harmony. You know, if we are just seeing one another from our only our uh, vantage point and from our perspective only, and we forget to see one another from uh, from uh, a God's perspective, rebellious sinner in need of grace and mercy, no agenda. Nothing of our kind. God forgives. God accepts. He cares. If we're not approaching one another in that regard, 
no agenda, no certain uh, uh, view of mind to be right, but laying all that aside to care for one another, genuinely loving one another. It's the key for us to be united one as one in Jesus Christ. Second essential, cooperation for us to live worthy of the gospel. And here's the final one. We must be confident. We need confidence as we face our enemy in this world. Look at verse 28. Paul says, don't be frightened in anything by your opponents. Don't get scared. Don't be afraid. Be confident as you face your enemy. Be confident. Because we all know spiritual battle is not a matter of if, but a matter of when. It's waiting for us. It's happening even now for some of you. But he says, as we daily face with our enemy, constantly he's battling you. Constantly he's challenging you to choose right in every moment. To choose Christ. To choose God. He's going to present his case and Work in your mind. Work the people around you for you to choose right. He's going to challenge you. The battle is real. Conflict is present at all times. This is the reality of Christian living. But Paul gives us several encouragement. As he says, be confident because you have these encouragement as you face the battle. First thing in verse 28, these battles Prove that you are, in fact, safe. Understand, you are faced with the spiritual battles and you see all these difficult conflicts because you are saved, because you belong to Jesus Christ. If not, he will leave you alone. If you don't understand spiritual battle, it's simply because Satan has no reason to bombard you with these difficult times. You're doing fine. Why would he bother you? But if you are with Christ, you are saved and you belong to Christ and you carry yourself as worthy of the gospel that saved you and gave you this new life, you're going to face these spiritual conflicts and battles. So be encouraged. You're right with Christ. You are on the right path. And secondly, he says, Hey, by the way, in verse 29, he goes, the presence of this conflict is our privilege. Understand that you get to participate in the Lord's suffering. You didn't die and you were not crucified on the cross. But by your suffering, by your conflict, these spiritual battles, as you suffer, you participate in this uh, uh, for the sake of Jesus Christ. It is your honor, it is our privilege to suffer for and with Christ, he says. Be encouraged, so be confident. He says, finally, in verse 30, these battles, these conflicts are not just your own unique, isolated suffering. What is he saying? Whatever you're going through, Philippines, because you are Christ followers, because you uh, regard this heavenly citizenship better than this Roman citizenship and you carry yourself in that manner and therefore you receive these persecution by the way that is not just you. 
That's not just in your isolated situation. Look at me here sitting in Rome in a jail cell. You're not alone in your suffering. Others, brothers and sisters in Christ, others in faith also experience same conflict that you see in me. Whatever you're going through, I go through in different settings, in different circumstances, but we are going through it. So be encouraged. As you pray for yourselves, pray for others because they are going through the same conflict. Why? Because we refuse to live as citizens of this world. We, we live to be worthy of the gospel that saved us, placed us in his kingdom. Church, in order for us to live our lives to be worthy of the gospel of Christ, we've got to be consistent. We need consistency in our walk with the Lord. Again, not just talk, not just the head knowledge, but we've got to walk the talk. Walk the talk. Let's stop. I should know better. I should do better. I... Let's get going. Plunge into the Bible reading plan. Open your... Uh, um, your journal. Keep your prayer time. Be consistent in your commitment to your spiritual growth. We need cooperation as we work together as a unit, as a body of Jesus Christ with harmony. We need confidence as we face the enemy knowing that it is a sign, a proof of our salvation that we are doing well. We are in fact on the path that leads to eternal salvation. That is why we deal with this. Be encouraged. Have confidence. It's not just you. Brothers and sisters all around in all walks of life dealing with the identical things. Lean on them. Work with them. Encourage them and be encouraged by their suffering. And you get to participate. It is our honor and privilege to serve the Lord in that regard. Again, Paul instructs the Philippians. Verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live as worthy as citizens of God's great kingdom carry yourself in that manner and you will hear the same message to the Ephesians Paul will say the same thing chapter 4 verse 1 Paul says to the to the Ephesians now I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the God of the calling to which you have been called identical plea to the Ephesians how about Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 he says the same thing walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Walk in a manner, live in a manner that is pleasing and worthy of the Lord. How about to the Philipp I mean, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. Walk in a manner worthy of God, who called you into His own kingdom and glory. Philippians, Ephesians, Thessalonians, Colossians, Paul's identical message to the, all the churches that he planted. Have this mindset. 
have this understanding. You belong to this earthy kingdom, this earthy city-state. But do you realize you belong to this kingdom in heaven? The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Do you seek to conform your character like your king? Do you seek to follow the rules of your emperor, the heavenly emperor, your father in heaven? Great power comes with great responsibility. Great privilege comes with great responsibility. We like to have the power. We like to enjoy privileges. Oftentimes, but we are just forgetful and disregarding the duties and responsibility that comes with that power and privilege. Do you understand his amazing love as we sing? Do you understand the life that he provides you, the blessings in timely manner that he led you where you are? Are we worthy of all the things that we have received from the Lord and enjoy and dare to ask more? Are we worthy? Paul simply asks. He's not finger-pointing. All he wants from the Philippians to all the churches in the New Testament is simple. Have this mindset. Can you just simply remind yourself where your citizenship lies with? And that changes you. That leads you to choose right. If you know how God graciously, graciously blessed you your life, then and now and forever. Not just you and your family. If you led you here, all by God's grace, will you choose to do your will, carry yourself for your own, or your own kingdom, to build your own kingdom? Or will you carry yourself, conduct yourself like a citizen of his kingdom? That is his message to dear, dear friends in Philippi. And I believe that is the same message for you and I. Will you carry yourself worthy of the gospel, the power that saved you? Let's pray. Father, we take this moment to, to understand what the apostle was trying to say to his dear friends in Philippi. But we realize that was his message all along, not only to the Philippians, but everywhere, every church that he planted. Single, united message. Because it is that important. How we carry ourselves, how we live our lives, tells a lot about who we are, whom we belong to, whom we serve, because everyone has to serve something. Whether we serve ourselves, serve our ego, our pride, our own understanding, our career, money, health, appearance and ex acceptance and fame and glory, we serve something. We live for something. Do we carry ourselves in a way that we just are exemplary citizens in an earthly kingdom? Doing so well in the, on this, uh, as a member of this earthly kingdom. How are we doing as your child? 
as your citizen. As your as dear people of your kingdom, how are we doing? Will you help us to be mindful of that? Because that moves us. That puts us in a right place. Understanding what we are meant to be, created to be, Lord. So we ask ourselves, Lord, by the help of your spirit, am I conducting myself in a manner that is worthy? Carrying ourselves, living our lives in a manner that is worthy to be a citizen of your great kingdom. To receive, my dear lords, his life, his blood, his suffering on the cross, his amazing love and grace and mercy, time after time, am I worthy? No one's worthy. But Father, I strive to be worthy. And there is a difference. So Father, help us. Help us. Help me, Lord. And that is our desire. I thank you in Jesus' name.